0: In our next session, we'll be dealing with the Gates of Death as the crucible that call the faces between two entities trying to achieve godhood. We'll be dealing with the Grommen, which is a barbarian tribe that exists within the swamp. They're evil, but they don't want to sit under the yoke of the, the hags, the antis, that Mir, our druid, serves. We'll be dealing with the hags themselves, what does their domain look like in the swamp, and we'll be unveiling a number of things within the campaign, such as, potentially, the underlying conflict that drives reality, and the introduction of the first legitimate magic item that the party's going to be able to have in their possession. This is Anatomy of a Campaign. So the key things coming up in this next session begin with the the gates of, of death that Calda is at, and per the campaign rules, he has to face a, an extremely dire challenge, something that gives him maybe a 50-50 chance of success. The dice, more than anything, will determine if he's able to make it out alive. And that, as I mentioned in the last audio journal, is kind of a key problem because if he doesn't make it out alive, the motivation for what the party is currently pursuing kind of walks out the door. Additionally, I have committed to not having people sitting around in the game for long stretches of time with really nothing to do. And so I'm going to have to design this battle in the the lands of death in a way that allows the other players to be a part of it. And I think I've come up with something that is rather interesting. The Gramen are a barbarian tribe that resides within the Gramengast swamps. They have been somewhat enslaved by the hags, the antis that Mir serves. And while most of them are going to be okay with that, there's a subset, a segment that is not. And we're going to be introducing them. They are adversaries specifically for Mir, because they're out to get him. Um, because that would be a way to deliver a blow to these hags that uh, the barbarians are looking to uh, defeat. And it's in a situation where everyone's a bad guy because the hags are of course evil and the Grauman are are evil. These are not good guys. They're not oppressed nice people. Uh, These are folks that simply do not want power to reside with the hags. And then the last bit that I have to be prepared for is when the party meets up with the antis, when they actually get into the domain of the hags, what that will be like, what will be the things that they deal with, and how will that all play out. Okay, so first up is the uh, the Gates of Death encounter, but it's not just the Gates of Death encounter, it's also the Gromit encounter. There's a bunch of things happening. Where we left things off is... Calda standing in a dreamy death realm version of the bedroom where he last saw his master Riziki. And Riziki said he was going to reveal all the secrets to him, tell him what was really happening. And I certainly want to do that. But it dawns on me that if Calda doesn't then survive his ordeal, the party and everybody who'll be listening in shouldn't have that information because it would die with Calda. The way I'm going to structure this is I'm not going to start with the conversation with Raziki or whatever entity this is in Raziki's form. I'm going to start after that conversation with Calda falling through the mists. And we're going, if he survives, before he wakes up in the real world again, we're going to flash back to the conversation. So if he wants that information, he's going to have to earn it through battle. So we're going to begin with Calda falling through the mists and landing on the deck of the Gregopos. This was Captain Castigary's ship from prior sessions. It's something the party was hoping to get their hands on. It's something that I... This is important. It's something that I have a map for already. He'll be on board a ship in the mists of, of the land of death, and he's going to be dealing with different things. I didn't want this to be a straight combat for Calda. He's going to be on board this ship. There's going to be maelstroms out in the ether, the ether, these black, dangerous zones that the ship needs to avoid. And he needs to navigate the ship ultimately towards this bright light in the distance, which represents his soul, reconnecting with that and coming back into the land of the living. So the the trick for him is to survive long enough to do that and to steer the ship so that it avoids any of these black deadly regions. While this is happening, there are manifestations of the party on the deck of the ship, and they are the ones that are fighting back these various evil creatures. And so Calda will be attempting to hopefully fend off things that are coming at them, these sort of uh, spiritual apparitions of his compatriots in the land of death with him. So why is this okay? The last way we had done this when Mir went into the land of death was Mir was alone and he faced uh, six shadow creatures who were inordinately powerful. And it was only because of Mir's, Bruce, the player of Mir's, advanced tactical skills, I think, that he was able to survive. A couple things are happening, this isn't normal. This actually involves two gods. It involves the god of light and the god of shadow, both who are attempting to gain a foothold and purchase in this realm now that the greater god Anu has uh, has fallen to slumber. They're attempting to gain followers and worshippers. KALDA will be between these two gods. And one of the things that's going, one of the things present on the deck of the ship with him are potential familiars Um, a Quasit and an Imp. And if he's able to, in the course of this, connect with them and use them in some way to help him, then he'll have access to a, a more advanced familiar out in the real world. Uh, with his fine Familiar spell, something that's normally reserved just for Warlocks. I thought that would be a nice boon, because everyone's going to be leveling up, and that's usually one of the big benefits of dealing with the Gates of Death. You get to instantly level up, but he was always already going to level up, so it becomes a little bit neutered, so I wanted to give him something a little special. But the most important thing, the most exciting thing, is that simultaneously to this, where we're really going to start the session, is Called is Dead. They're in the swamp, right? They've got Calda's body. He's not waking up. He doesn't have a pulse. He's not breathing. He seems like he's dead. I'm sure the party's going to be scratching their heads, not quite knowing how to deal with this, because they would probably be expecting me to start with Calda in the land of death, deal with that before they have to actually uh, make a decision and he'll wake up or won't wake up or what have you. But no, I'm not starting there. Starting in the swamp with them. They've got Calda. He's dead. He's gone. There's, you know, healing spells won't work on him, all that kind of good stuff. And Mir spots these Grauman barbarians in the distance, in the gloom, within the swamp, watching. And hopefully he'll be able to suss out that, and I've got an idea on how I can actually clue him in without being so over it. I don't want to just tell him, hey, there's a Grauman you see in the distance, and it's this this one guy that you know is dangerous, and blah blah blah. I'd rather do something like, you see just one Grauman, at the edge of, how, of where you could see it all in the gloom, and you know that he's allowing you to see him. And you've seen them use this tactic before with prey, where just one of them would make themselves visible to something like a were-rat, but there would be like a dozen more hidden and out of sight waiting to ambush anything that comes after the bait. And I'm hoping that that clues him in that the Gramen are doing something with them that is a little more aggressive than normal. And it'll, prompt him to either ask me more questions, do inside checks, or something like that. In any event, the Grommen are hostile. Their plan is to capture Mir and use him as a hostage, because they believe he has value to the antis, and indeed he does. But of course, the rest of the party, well, they could just be food. That's right, the Grommen are cannibals. I'm looking at potentially a, a chase through the swamp. The question is, will the party take Calda with them? Will they carry the body, or will they leave it there in the, in the swamp? Regardless... The conjoined scenes are going to be, and we're going to be running these simultaneously, the team moving through the swamps while Calda is dealing with this thing in the land of death. And what happens in the land of death and what Calda is doing will have ramifications on the things in the real world and vice versa. So if the party does not make good headway, the ship's not going to make good headway in the land of death. Getting away from the gramen equates to moving towards the light or moving, if things are going badly, potentially moving towards one of these maelstroms. Conversely, in the Land of Death, if Calda is able to help keep some of the invading shadow creatures off the ship or away from some of his party members, it's going to have a detrimental effect on the Grommin getting closer to the party in the swamp. So I've got to work this out a little bit more mechanically ahead of the, the session we're going to play, but this is the idea, and it'll hopefully be based on how I intercut between the scenes, it'll be pretty clear to everyone that these things are impacting one another and keep everyone engaged in the storyline because the stakes will be high for all involved. So this leads me to the big question for me, the big pivot. Well, what if Calda dies? What if he dies for real, right? What if he doesn't uh, survive his ordeal, and now we have to both introduce a new character for Calda as well as find a new motivation for the party. Presumably, the characters should be able to get away from the gramen, they're not actually all that that dangerous compared to the party, and they'll get to the Hag's Domain. And we'll deal with that. It's a place for rest and recuperation. I think the Hags uh, and the Fae are going to be somewhat persnickety. Uh, They're going to be a little bit dangerous to deal with. But this whole thing will play out differently if Calda dies versus if Calda is alive. If Calda is alive, then I think there's going to be some interesting things to deal with. How will this change Calda? Will Grayson change the way he portrays the, the tiefling wizard? He's made noises to the effect of potentially coming out of that in a way where he's worshipping a god, may even take a level of cleric. The, the goal for the party is going to be to take this long rest so they can all level up to three. We'll probably have to take a bit of a break so everyone can finalize those adjustments of their character sheets. There's definitely This is definitely going to be predominantly a, a social encounter, but unlike past social encounters, this is going to be with everybody, right? They're all going to have to navigate the social needs of of the hags, as well as some of the other fae, and these Gromman slaves who are different than the ones that were hunting them out in the swamp. I think there's a lot of stuff that can happen here. I've put a lot of thought into how do I portray this, right? How are the hags going to appear? And I don't think the hags can appear as you normally would portray them, meaning very ugly with lots of uh, disgusting things all around body parts and odd displays. I can't no no mortal would be able to deal with that over the long term, right I just don't think it's realistic. So I think there's going to be a facade around the hags, that they're not that bad. But it'll be the type of saf- um, safad. <laughs> facade that has chinks in it, right? There'll be There'll be holes in the illusion, even though it's not really an illusion. I guess in some cases it would be. But there will definitely be signs that this is something that is not as it appears, and it's probably a lot more dangerous, and I think the rest of the party will be more open to seeing that than Mir, and Bruce is such a good role player, I have no doubt he will uh, persist in Mir being oblivious to the downside, the dark side of the of his aunties. whereas everyone else would be like, man, she is straight up scaring the crap out of me. If Calda's alive, we'll also be dealing with Calda's personality, and that's going to be kind of fascinating because that could drive into something that's very lethal. If Calda acts like standard Calda, ooh, that's not going to work with the with the hags. But he would have gone through this this uh, this Satori, right? This this experience with near death. And I'm hoping it changes him, and I'm hoping that uh, it has kind of a profound impact, just because I think dramatically that would be a really cool thing to see happen with, with Calda. If Calda doesn't survive, I think then it becomes a question of, well, the hag's kind of would like to get their hands on the Balnexicon, wouldn't they? Right? So maybe they'll offer to buy it for from the players if they can recover it. They also want to remove Agoramaya from the board because she's got stuff going on that eventually threatens their power play, right? This is what this is all about. The Hags are looking to be the ones in power, they're looking to gain power and authority, which is why they don't like the faithful of Semyana and why they have been sending Mir to watch Outpost 9. They're making a power play. This idea of having another hag out there, Agoramaya, who's got the Balnexicon, well, that could mean she would be the top dog and they're not going to like that so much. So, of course, they really do want the the Balnexicon to be taken away from them. The other outlier is I think that the hags would be extremely enamored with Voss. The shadow sorcerer, because her very existence, and she doesn't know this yet, is kind of impossible. Sorcerers haven't existed in my campaign for a thousand years or more. None of them. No one. And that's because the dragons are gone, and in my campaign, again, nobody knows this except me, dragons are the power source behind all sorcery. Not just dragon sorcery, but that that sort of type of magic can only exist in the realm if dragons are present. And the fact that she has this power means the dragons have returned and no one quite knows that yet. Hags are going to be pretty damn darn damn fascinated by Voss. And I and also I think the you know Voss being female and hags probably being all about like a twisted form of female power. I could see some really interesting uh, role playing going on there. So I you know that's I I think going to be a, a big chunk of the night um, dealing with. These kind of interactions between the various party members and these hags, and you know the grommen, and trying to just balance the ideas of of what's happening uh, across the board in this this strange situation. I'm probably going to gift more than one magic item. It'll probably be something like a uh, a weapon, a piece of uh, defensive magic. And something that's miscellaneous that the party can then kind of, you know, split amongst themselves. I'm going to spend some time ahead of the game really looking through the magic items in the DMG to try to get some inspiration on how I want to set that up. It's really just an excuse to, to give the group a couple of magic items. a lot of cool stuff happening in this session a lot of uh, need for improvising based on things that happen in the beginning call to survives and then if he does or he doesn't help folks act with the uh, the antis and their domain which will be this kinder than you or gentler or, or more normal than you would expect area with People and families, and all this stuff, but all of that is just a facade that uh, a veneer over something much more dangerous and disgusting. The Antis themselves being evil, evil, evil creatures. And how the party deals with that, which I think for, for most of them, it'll be about pushing aside or ignoring that or just trying to survive, right? Like just focusing on, yep, be as polite as you can, take the help in and get the hell out of there as soon as you can. But at the same time, wanting to have the, the long rest. I always overestimate what I can accomplish in our sessions. It could very well be that they only just get to the antis. That's very, very possible. Or it could be that you know we get there and we deal with you know the long rest and they, they're able to level up. Overall, I think the session has a lot of meat to it, a lot of important stuff that's going on and best of all, it's stuff that is involving every single one of the characters. The things that I'm really watching out for are going to, uh, you know, I have a lot of complicated stuff going on here. I'm looking to coordinate multiple scenes happening at the same time. You know, anything can go south and go wrong. I think I'll, a lot of, I could, I could find that the session goes nothing like I expect it to because there's so many pieces and parts that are very challenging and the dice could not go in the player's way you know in their uh in their favor and we could find out that you know the graman wind up being a much more dangerous foe than i had anticipated maybe they don't get to the antis maybe another character goes down right anything is is possible in in this game and that you know that's the cool part but it's also the scary part because i have a lot of story stuff to convey here to to help push things forward. Uh, But very, very excited to see how this all plays out between the land of death and that sort of complicated thing with the ship. And then we're going to go back and we're going to potentially, if he survives his ordeal, we flash back to the conversation with Raziki, where Raziki is going to talk to him about the, the war between the gods and, and what's really happening. There's the entire thing with the Grauman chase in the swamp, which, as I said, that could turn against me. I don't think it will, but who knows? And then the dynamics of dealing with the Anthe. So a lot of opportunity for creativity a lot of opportunity for things to go completely sideways. And I think I'm just going to have to make sure I take a nice nap and be ready and on my toes for this session so that I'm, I'm mentally capable of dealing with all the ups and downs and twists and turns which I'm sure will happen. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing, throwing us a review, or sharing with your other gamer friends. You can follow me on Twitter at Anatomy Camp. Thanks for listening.